1: Good morning, good evening, and good night. You already heard Dave, so he doesn't get an introduction. Tori?
2: Well, see, I've been listening to a lot of card talk lately, and Tommy always interrupts Ray while he's trying to do the intro, and Tommy's like my hero.
0: (laughs) Hello, internet.
2: And we start every week with good things, so Craig, go ahead. The
3: unflappable Tori is also here. Uh, So hey, guys, I got a game for us, and my good thing. A theory game. No, it's a real game. Um it's from the Super Nintendo era and you know, I have to give a shout out to it cuz it's it's fun. It is called Soul Blazer. It's oh, made hum. by a little known company called Quintent, uh published by <laughs> another little known company that I know I pronounced it wrong is Enix. Um you might know them as the people that merged with Square to become Square Enix. Uh anyway, it's fun. It's an action RPG. Um not quite linked to the past or, or anything, but It has a good feel to it. Um, I played through it. It was fun. And then someone told me there's a randomizer for it because there's a randomizer for everything in existence now. And I gave that a try. And I have to say it's pretty good. Um, I like it. So shout out to that. If you're curious, uh, go dig up your Super Nintendo. Give Soul Blazer a try. Or uh, you can try doing a a search for the randomizer because you can just Google it and boom, there's the randomizer. Um, It's a lot of fun quintet quintet that's what i said <laughs> oh, my goodness you did say oh. quintet <laughs> quintet quintet there's no n at the end i'm saying tet
2: <laughs> we'll have to call back the recording later
3: nope this is not Splinks. being recorded you cannot check it um
2: yeah it's a part of a series of games that includes illusion of gaia and terranigma as well yeah terranigma was Day only
0: I was going to say, I remember Soul Blazer. That was fun.
3: Yeah. And now it's back in rando form. Illusion of Guy is also really good. And it also apparently has a randomizer. But I want to do a regular vanilla playthrough of it first before I dig up the randomizer to see how it is. But the nice thing about the Soul Blazer randomizer is that it has a little bit of the feel to the Link to the Past randomizer. Um, If anyone here happens to actually watch my stream, because most of the things that I stream on my channel happen to be linked to the past randomizer. That's what I play. um, Especially cause I'm like in a tournament now. So you'll see me practice and, and play my matches on there. And the feel of linked to the past randomizer a little bit, just a little bit recaptures the feel of playing it for the first time because you collect items, which will unlock different parts of the map, different dungeons. And as you play and actually collect items, more and more things will be open and available to you. So it just gradually opens up the map. Soul Blazer has that a little bit. Um, Now, the feel of Soul Blazer when you play through it is that you you typically clear a whole entire world and then you go to the next world. Uh, There's a couple things that you can't quite do the first time you're there. Um, You can go back and forth if you want to when you play the game regularly, but you don't necessarily need to uh, unless you're full clearing it, aside from at the very end of the game. But with the randomizer, more and more things unlo- open up and unlock in the, uh, on the map as you play. And the neat thing is that you can unlock the other worlds much earlier than if you played vanilla. So it it does have that same feels linked to the past where things open up and you have more decisions that you need to make to be able to clear things. Um, but at the same time, I would say it falls under... I don't want to say it falls under like a heavy skill game like Super Metroid, but it does like things don't really change on how you approach enemies and what you need to fight. So, you can pretty much clear things as you unlock them, but it just has more decision points, which is what I like out of a randomizer. Anyway, point is, it's fun. GG's. All right, Dave.
2: Yeah. Oh. So, I got uh this candy. So, you guys ever here Kinder eggs? Like Kinder Surprise eggs? They've been around for like a really long time. Um, thing is, They're illegal in the United States because there's like a choking hazard because they have it's just food with toy in it. Um, But anyway, the chocolate's really good. And I don't know, in the last like couple years, I guess, Kinder actually started repackaging their chocolate so that it would be legal and they could sell it in the United States. And they do do have like they do have eggs with little toys in them. But the, the chocolate part is in a separate compartment from the toy so that it's FDA compliant or whatever. Um, but then I also really like these, like, these, like, wafer bar things. Uh, Kinder Bueno Crispy Creamy Chocolate Bar. Um, and there's a picture of a hazelnut on the package, I think. Yeah, pretty good. I like it. Does the bar come with a toy? No, but that's alright, because uh, I have enough toys. Okay, uh, so the
1: wife is a big fan of the, of the Kinder Eggs, and we were able to get our hands on some non-U.S. ones uh, pretty recently. And the toys are better. Like, when when they're encased in chocolate, the toys are better.
3: It's something yeah, about that um, chocolate that just...
2: Don't don't, uh, don't go on a podcast saying that you have them because they're technically contraband and you can be fined for having them. But I guess if you don't have them anymore, they can't find you. Well, the the toy is no longer inside the food, and the food no longer exists. It exists somewhere.
0: So is the, is the toy contraband if it's no longer part of the food?
3: No, I don't think so.
0: Don't,
3: they don't usually go out of their way to find people just for having items. They prefer people not to sell them.
2: This is Craig is not a lawyer.
3: No, I'm discipline. not a lawyer at all. This is not, not legal advice. I'm just saying <laughs> I find it very unlikely Mike's going to get hit with a fine.
1: It's okay, guys.
2: I won't be fined. Probably. But if you are, then we'll probably get real famous.
3: Yeah, if you are, then, the then we'll have
0: to release some more patron-only content so we can pay your fines.
3: It's Mike. He's that guy that smuggled in Kinder Eggs just so he can eat them and play with the toy. He didn't
2: smuggle them in. All
3: right, it's definitely, exactly.
2: definitely you can get fined for importing them. I don't know about actually just having them. Dude, but they anyway. just
3: gotta chill out. It's just, it's just chocolate with toys in them. Come on, guys.
2: And the
1: toys are like... In separate plastic packaging inside the, the chocolate. Like
2: it's, yeah, it's in like, you, there's like a little plastic mini egg-ish, more cylindrical, I guess, shape. But it's like, like a capsule. It's like a, an egg-shaped chocolate. Inside that is a capsule, and the toy is inside that capsule.
0: Yeah, it's so, like, what, are you inhaling your chocolate now? Is that why it's a choking hazard?
2: Yeah, you, you got to really try
1: to choke on this.
3: Just slap a three plus sticker on the egg and you're good to go. Like, come on, guys. They put toys and cereal and stuff and no one's like, oh, you're going to eat
2: that. Because cereal isn't typically in straight out of the box. And also the toy is big enough that I don't know. I could see like a stupid kid trying to like, oh, you can fit the whole egg in my mouth. Watch this something, which I guess is a choking hazard toy or not. Yeah. So my good thing this
1: week, because I think Dave's done. Dave, are you done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My good, my good thing this week is that just came out uh, in early access. It's called Peglin. It's Peggle plus Slay the Spire. And if you can't figure out how that combination of things would work, you should check out Peglin. Watch the Steam video and and check it out. Is that a PopCap
2: game? Peggle? Peggle was Peggle PopCap. Is. Yes. No, know is the Spire fun. is
1: Mega Crit. Okay. Yeah, you both talked at the same time. Neither of you came through. Try again.
3: I was just saying Peggle's surprisingly fun.
1: It is. Dave, you want to say your thing again? That wasn't important. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Peglin. It is super early access, so like there are updates happening constantly, and content is being added, balance changes are being made, um, but I can recommend it based on like how it is currently, without the additional content that will happen between now and full release. It's good game. It's fun. Uh, so, Tori, you're next.
0: Well, if Dave's over here talking about chocolate, then my good thing is Cadbury cream eggs, which only come out at Easter time. And at the time of recording, we recently had Easter. And so now all of the eggs are on sale and you got to go pick those up because they're going to be gone soon. But they are delicious and they are my favorite thing. And it's a good thing. They only come out seasonally. Otherwise, I would be so fat, you guys. Yeah. Um, So I I have a bunch of them in my fridge right now because I bought them on sale. And uh, when they're gone, they're gone.
1: That reminds me, I need to get chocolate oranges because those are also seasonal. I don't know why they're seasonal, but they are. And it bothers me.
0: Well, it's like those Queen Anne Cordial cherries that come out at Christmas time. I've got a friend that loves those. It's like, what am I getting her for Christmas? Oh, wait.
1: All right. Uh, So, Dave, you read, according to your notes that I'm reading... Chapters 65 to almost 70.
2: Yeah, I'm still eating my good thing.
3: This is professional.
1: I mean, a mouthful of chocolate can only make your bullet points better, Dave.
2: (laughs) Yeah, by the way, Tori's such a memer.
0: Why would I do? What?
2: (laughs) Oh, that Tori. Chapter 65. Verdict. Why is everyone so scared of Dalinar? Oh, right. The killing. No wonder the are scared. Dalinar is really flexing and carrying all this paper around. <laughs> that joke will never get old. Uh, yeah, Yasna's. What's this next one? Oh, man. Yasna's fan fanfiction is so good, it compels the Viziers to invite Dalinar in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yasna writes his fanfic, right? Why is Dalinar... it fanfiction?
3: <laughs> it's fan fact. Dude, but it's so beautiful. It's fact, it's not fiction.
2: It's like they don't even care, they just are like, ah, she writes so cleverly.
3: It's a work but, of art,
2: yeah. Fan um, fictions
3: aren't usually work of art either. Come on, give give Yasna some credit here.
2: All right, Mr. Yasna, right? Uh, Dalinar went through this oath gate one by himself, and he's in Azir, Azir Emir. What's the capital of Azir? Azir Amir? Azamir? Azamir. And he has to get past all of the Viziers because he wants to talk to Gawk. And uh, in order to get past the the first room, he has to th- throw a bunch of paper at them. And then they're like, Oh, watch out. It could cut you with words so deep and wise. So he's got one from Fen, And that paper is basically like, Yeah, we teamed up with Dalinar. And then he's got one from Well then talks about
3: the economics. Like, hey, you can make money.
2: Yeah. And uh, and then Yasna's like, I'm gonna share all of our science secrets just to let you know that we're we're buds now. Navani. And, and then what did I say? You said Yasna. I, I said his Yeah, because I was about to say Navani and you interrupted me. And my brain kept going. Where did it ever stop? Where does it ever stop? Where did it ever start? And then Yasna write something that's you know it's just it's it's artful and so azish and then they let him in next scene dalinar coming to azimir reminds me of iroh coming to ba Se. this scene with the parchment lodging a formal complaint with the azish government is funny time uh wh- e g why did i write that it must have been be time for gg <laughs> that vizier was wrong lift would never bother to steal your pocket change ostentation doesn't stick to lift because she's too awesome duh how would a fight go between a bondsmith and an educator what did emperor snot use that finger for anyway awkward night watcher related silence prince of emul sage all these people i've never heard of her coming over <laughs> what talonar remembers something about evie well are you gonna tell the rest of us or what guess we'll find out in next week's chapters. All right. Yeah. So that was it. We just read chapter 65 this week. It was a long one. Uh so there's a lot of writing there. Yeah, there was a lot of papers. Well, downer so yeah, now I'm like curious. Downer carries all this paper around, but he doesn't have shard plate anymore. So how is he strong enough to carry the paper? Because and, his biceps are gigantic, Dave. Do they have shard paper which is specifically designed you know, kind of like they've got shard bows, which are specifically designed for shard bearers. Only people with shard plate are strong enough to use the bow. Do they have equivalent shard
3: paper? Hey, Dave, what? you sort sure of forgot that Downart was swole. Like, before shard plate, he was still a beast. Shard plate just made him better. Beaster. Beaster. Easter. Beaster.
1: And but there's I, no shard paper. I posted a GIF of... A dramatization of Dalinar entering his ear. Whose ear? Yes.
2: Oh man, he threw the book at him. So. <laughs> That's what couple, happened. Um, oh yeah, remember that time Iroh? This is like spoiler for the last episode of Avatar, that last Bender, But remember when Iroh, you know, he, he went to Bossing, say, to conquer it under the Fire Nation. And then later on, he went back and, you know. Took over Bossing Say to unite them under the White Lotus. That's kind of like with Dalinar, like Dalinar's Iroh, and Azamir is Bossing Say. All right, Craig, what else happened in this chapter?
3: Um, so they they pour over the words that the, the Asias pour over the words that Dalinar brought. Um, I don't know if should I spoil it. Well, I guess so. They decide uh that the the words have swayed them, especially Navani's. Words and downer's like, but wait, you guys were so impressed with Yasna's paper, her work of art. They're like, yeah, but Navani has a good argument, so that actually wins them over, and they're like, okay, we will come visit and take a look at Erythraum. So not only that, they bring bonus kingdoms and and leaders with them, um, all of which are so you can think of like the the was the mule
2: of the country that they were fighting with all
3: these years. Uh, A a mule is at war with Tukar, right? Do I have that right, Mike? I believe so. So they're the ones that are perpetually at war with each other. Um, They're one of them. Uh, They they are not ruled by a crazy god priest, so that's props to them. Um, And they also have all these other smaller kingdoms. They basically just go with whatever Azir is saying, but they are not ruled by Azir, so... They they have their own, you know, leadership and everything, and they're willing to come along. So all these people you maybe heard about before are coming. It's going to be a party. Go
2: right. I, but I don't have enough plates to feed everybody.
3: Guess we need more shard plates. <laughs> oh, you definitely Not haven't heard kind of, plate. like,
2: most of these people
1: before. Yeah, they, their names uh, have popped up. This is a first mention for the, for the bulk of them.
2: Okay. Anything else? Um...
3: Uh, and then... At the end, Dalinar starts getting another vision.
2: Oh wait, we forgot the best AP. part. Lift is in this chapter.
3: Yeah, they waved high. Yeah, she was like sitting or standing on the back of a I couch. Had, or I something. had a
2: question. I wasn't about shard paper. Is All it, right, so
3: if an edge dancer and Unsmiths, well, there's blade. that.
2: But also, you know how Dalinar has has like his stickiness, and he can stick stuff to other stuff physically, but he can yes, also do it spiritually, like. But he can also adhere in the spiritual realm, right?
3: Theoretically.
2: All right. So Lyft is slippery, and she can be physically slippery. Um, but I wonder if there is an actual real part of Lyft's power that keeps her from building a connection in the spiritual realm. Or if it's just a metaphor.
3: <laughs> you need to have a connection in it. So when you have a connection with something, it's all three realms. So. You can't be connected just physically. Well, okay. But my point is if down can use
2: stickiness in all three realms, does lifts being slippery apply to all three realms as well? Cause like she, no. she can't get a foothold or, or build roots. I don't know. Well, let's, let's talk. Let, let's hear, mean, Dave
3: out. let's it's, hear Dave I out. I mean,
2: there's an, the obvious metaphor here of how like lift can't put down roots and her being an edge dancer and being, being slippery also, you know, it happens Happens as her personality makes her, you know, slippery as far as building relationships with people and, and roots and settling down. But I wonder if it's actually a part of being an edge dancer, like a part of that power, that you're slippery not only in the physical realm, but also in the cognitive and spiritual realm.
3: I mean, I uh, like what you're thinking.
2: I would say it goes the other way, which is
1: because she has these aspects to her personality— the cultivation friend. thank you yeah. there we go the cultivation's friend um sought her out as a potential
2: night radiant interesting so
1: as, as far
3: wh- as we know the whole frictionless thing for edge dancers is a physical property but i don't know i i think i like i like how you're thinking
2: so when's down are going to glue the shattered planes back
3: together book 7 them. <laughs> out of 5 um, <laughs> well actually there's 10 books but it's split into two five book parts.
1: Oh. Anywho, uh, the the comparison between, like, Any Order and Bondsmiths doesn't really work because Bondsmiths are extra super shiny special. Oh. There can
3: only be three of them, so yeah, they're super special. Right. And the for... prestige classes.
2: Wait. Wait. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> One for Storm Man and Storm Uncle. Yep. And Those Storm two. Father. Yeah. Who is was again? I think you told me. Was it Nightwatcher? Yeah. So Night Watcher's not
3: of cultivation? We did not say that.
2: Okay. So she's basically cultivation sprint in the way that Stormfather is honor spren. So yep. who's Odium sprint? Unmade. No, there are ten unmade, or they're nine. There are nine unmade.
3: Yeah, there's there's no limit to how many offspring, quote unquote offspring he can make.
2: Oh, so does the Odium Bondsmith actually bond all nine at once?
3: Um I I don't think there's you know what I'm just gonna leave this discussion before I spoil anything.
2: All right, we'll go on the spoiler section. Craig's <laughs> gone. Play the thing.
3: What?
1: Wait, that'll be a super short. All right, so David, you, you
2: had some spoiler stuff you wanted to get to this
1: week, so go ahead.
2: Yeah. So, um, it turns out that there are three bondsmiths, but uh, we haven't met them yet. Uh there's Dalinar, he's the bondsmith of Stormfather and Honor, of course. And then there's also Jibblejar, That's the uh bondsmith that bonded with Cultivation Spren, of course the Night Watcher. And then there's um uh Kelsier, who obviously bonded with Odium and the and the Nine Unmade. So like the Nine Unmade are nine different Spren, but they're actually like nine Splinters of a single Spren, and uh, we we actually saw one of the unmade in the Tower of Erythra, and then we saw the second one in the mirror. And when all nine Dragon Balls unite, then Kaladin can make a wish and finally come back to life. Yep, yeah. yeah, that's how that works. All right, oh, very well said. Yeah, let's call Craig back in here now that we're done. Spoilers, hey guys.
3: Did I miss anything, Rayfo? Really. <laughs> uh, you mean Lafo? Wait. <laughs> Listen and find out. Yeah, Letho.
2: Uh, chapter 66, I guess. Strategist. Danny Phantom. <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> Let's start over. All right, go back. All right, cut back in here. Chapter 66. Strategist. Dalny Phantom detects a ghost nearby. Adolin speaks up in the war meeting, and Downer challenges him to Agni Kai. Gesundheit, Evie. Alethia are bonesick Frieslanders. Back to the Rift for teamfight tactics. Evie challenges Dalinar to Agni Kai. Aw, poor Evie. Dalinar, you have two children. Evie, Galant doesn't count as a kid. Whenever you play a power... Oh, wait, this next chapter. Okay, that's the picture. (laughs) All right, uh, this is a flashback chapter of how Zuko got his scar. And you can see, uh, if you look in the crowd, you actually see Azula, Azula cheering on Ozai. You don't get to see Ozai's face yet until Season 3. And Mark Hamill does his voice. Wait, and
3: is then... that real? Is Mark Hamill actually doing
2: yeah,
1: voice. Yeah, Mark Hamill Ozi really here.
3: did. What? How did <laughs> I not know that?
1: How did you not know that?
3: I probably knew it at the time when we did the rewatch, but man, I am surprised. <laughs> like last week? No. Oh, you
0: guys, I have a funny Mark Hamill story. So my friend Laura is a huge Star Wars fan. Um, but she and I also get together oh, about once Mark a week. Mark Hamill is
2: in Star Wars?
0: It, we get together about once a week and we watch a TV show together. So um, just one episode of whatever's airing. Right now we're doing Moon Knight. But uh, while we were between new things, that was when we did what we do in the shadows. And there is an episode of that show where Mark Hamill is a guest star as um, a creepy vampire.
3: Nice.
0: So, But when he appears on screen, he's he's in a you know his face is shadowed he's wearing a cloak and laura immediately went oh that's mark hamill i recognize him in a cloak anywhere and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) and then it was (laughs) i was i was like wow laura what was his name in that i don't remember
1: it was like monday name the vampire
0: yeah um jim no i don't remember i i just remember that um that was uh when Laszlo ran away rather than confront him, and uh he he took on the disguise of uh Jackie Daytona, the uh the barkeep.
1: Yeah, and his disguise consisted of wearing jeans and having a toothpick in his mouth. Yes. Did not disguise his voice even in the slightest. But Jackie Daytona, regular human. Anyway,
2: uh we were we were actually doing like, book stuff, right? Nah, we finished that. We're doing picture stuff now, because uh, there's a picture before chapter 67. Were you and gonna... Notes. Whoa! Hold up.
3: We, we didn't we... finish chapter 66.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we did. You did
3: bullet points, you. but
2: you didn't tell us yeah. what happened. The Agni Kai happened.
3: Dude, you have to talk about how much Dalinar forgets that he has a No, son.
2: you have to talk about what my bullet points mean.
3: No. Okay. Um... Fine. Dalinar is at the uh, I think they're at uh, a He He's doing some fighting and they just signed a treaty that's like, OK, you're you're too good for us. Well, we, we want to sue for peace. So they're doing that. And Dalinar's like, OK, cool. We can finally head home. But wait, we don't get the he- head home because I'm the best general. And since I'm the best general, you use your best general. And there is no way Gavilar is ever recalling me. Because, one, I'm a threat to the throne. I don't. Does he actually say that? I think he does say this. I don't one know if he says to...
2: it, but he, it's, it's in his inner monologue. Okay. Oh, but the, have you guys ever seen Danny Phantom? I have not. Well, no. well, you know how, when even though you don't watch it, you know how when there's a ghost nearby, he, like, sees his breath Is like, his breath is all misty? No. Um, no, I don't know that. Okay. But pretend you do. And then read this chapter with uh, Dalinar, and he sees his breath. Anyway. Uh, wow, that's I just thinking, like Danny Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> I started thinking about it, and Yasna um, actually reminds me of Danny Phantom's sister, Jazz, Jazz Fenton.
3: So Dal- uh, Dalinar's never returning because, one, he's a threat to the throne, and two, he's the best general, and therefore you want to use it. So he figures he's either going to be sent to the Rift. Uh, To deal with the, the problem there. Or he's probably going to go back to her, her dad's. And do some clocking of heads there. And Evie breaks down. Because she doesn't like all this war and battle. She doesn't really like hanging out with the light-eyed women. The elective women. Because they're all schemers. And, and playing games and stuff. Like She she just wants to relax at home. And she can't do that. Well, no, She wants she to spend time with her
2: family. And right. she wants to, there to not be mass killing.
3: <laughs> yes. So she breaks down, and Downar does his worst at consoling her. He forgets that he has another son all the time because he only likes Adolin, and he doesn't care about Renarin because Renarin has like a blood sickness or something, and he can't fight. So pff, who cares about him? Um, that that's Dalin, That's that's old Downar saying that. By the way, that's not. I don't say that. We. I like Renarin. Um. Yeah. And and then he realizes that like he fights a war, uh, battle of words with e- Evie and realizes that he lost, so he retreats. And, of course, it doesn't feel good to her, but he accepts what she has to say. Like, she does have a good point, so he takes his loss.
2: So, Craig, what do you think of Evie? She's. I mean, I like her. What What do you want me to think about? I want you to ask me what I think about Evie.
3: Oh, what do you think <laughs> of Evie?
2: Uh, This chapter, as you know, I, I liked Evie... Initially, already, but this chapter, I won't say that I like her better than steris or as much as steris But she no. actually, in this chapter, could be competition for steris but still not as good as steris Um, although she was cuter with her accent.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, lo- I like Evie uh, as-, as a character. I-, I mean, I appreciate her values and you know wanting to spend time with family, not liking all the bloodshed. But yeah, she's she's with the wrong guy. What do you guys think, Mike? And Tori? Uh, I
1: I think that everybody's allowed to have their opinions on their characters, and you know you can have your favorites. But Dave, that was some blasphemy, and you need to get out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Star- I almost
3: <laughs> I almost wrote a Star- bullet
2: point about getting kicked off the podcast. <laughs> I right. I guess it's spoiler time.
3: No, chapter sixty-seven. Wait, why does it say? Hanabi cards. What?
2: Well I look at remember. the picture. Alright, there's pic- there's I, I a can't picture can't of Hanabi cards. What chapter? Sixty-seven? So there's a picture between chapters sixty-eight and sixty-seven. And I'll tell you what they mean. So at the top, uh whenever you play a power, a random card in your hand costs zero for the turn.
3: I need to look this up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's it's the mummified hand relic from Slay the Spire. The mummified hand, uh, yep. Okay, I got it. And then Let's we we around. have some we have some uh, obvious fan art of Hanabi cards on the bottom left. And then there's also these, uh, curiously, the Hunger Sprint appear to be unchanged. And they look like Navi. They look more like Navi than Solfrenna and the Wind Sprint and Honor Sprint do. So go figure. Now you know. All right. <laughs> Chapter 67 proper. Miss him. Shallan enjoys Adolin's grin. Gavinnor, that's the name of Elacar's son. That I don't remember ever learning his name before. Remember you he mentioned it before. A son? This okay. might be the first time you actually get the name, but yeah. The king says something or something. I just realized there's a suit on and no hat on.
3: <laughs> yep.
2: How many brothers does Vale have? There's Hoyd! I miss him. That explains the chapter title, Moon Story. What's in the jar, Wit? Is this that is said the,
3: like Brad Pitt? This, what's in the box?
2: I don't know. Um, that reminds me of Metal Gear Solid. So tell me more about Adolin's grin. <laughs> Craig. <laughs>
3: what? <laughs> what? Okay, so uh, this is a Shallan chapter. Um, she's heading out about into into the town to do some reconnaissance uh, as Vale, as you do, because, you know, she's the, the spy type. Persona. um, And trying to figure out what to do. I, I guess I should talk about the first part. They, they do I Elokar. Did to Doug yet? Yeah. Did I say she
2: was Doug at some point? You did. Okay. That was some time back. I think maybe
1: in like the latest episode I edited. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Shalon is Doug and Quail Man.
3: <laughs> so Elokar has come up with a plan of how he's distributing uh, his his team there. um, With Adolin and... Shallan trying to get to the Oath Gate. I mean, he wants to save his family, uh, his son and his wife. But the best way to do that is getting to the Oath Gate. Um, So they're going to go do that. Uh, And Kaladin's going to go... Excuse me. What? What?
2: Say his full name.
3: Who? Elkar? No. Dreamy Kaladin? Yes. Okay, Dreamy Kaladin is going to go take a chat with the Wall Guard to see who this Azure person is. And then... uh, yeah, so they're like, you know what? That's a good plan, Elkar. And he gets a little glory sprint because poor guy. He, he he doesn't get any glory. But this is like, he doesn't have a um, brain. What's her name? From from Cezed's lady friend. Tindwell? Yeah, he, he doesn't have a Tindwell. So you know what? He's trying his best, guys. Um, And he gets a glory sprint.
2: Elrianne?
3: No. Milan? Tindwell. So anyway, Vale heads out. And she's scoping out the line where they're getting the rations. And she has a little chat with a street urchin that's just hanging out nearby who can't get a ration because they're jerks. The people giving out the food, only light eyes or light eye servants are allowed to get food. Uh, they tried to hide it under the pretense of of keeping order. But really, they're just being selfish jerks. Um, and he and well, they're
2: being that Nefert- Nefertiti's.
3: Yes, that's Um, Is it really that? (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, while that's happening, she actually hears
2: someone. What's if? What's the person that's nepotism in?
3: What is nepotism based off of?
2: Nepotist. They're being nepotist.
3: Uh, Origin.
2: Sure, let's go with that. I
3: don't know. Anyway, um, so she hears Wit talking about a story about Misham, which is one of the planets. Moon. The Rosarian system. Moon. It's a moon. Sorry, I wasn't sure if it was a planet or moon. Oh, um it could be a planet, but oh, they call it a moon. The, I don't know. Yeah, the it does say it's it is talking about a story about the moon mission. Um and then the people go away and it's just him and Vale left and she sees some weird jar in his pack.
2: Alright, so I have a question. There's one part where Vale is thinking about Marie and what Mrazy did to her brothers. But I didn't know Vale had any brothers. Mariezy did like captured Shallan's brothers and had them under his thumb. But I didn't know Vale had brothers. Well, Vale had to have brothers. That's where she learned all her manly stuff, like drinking.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't think Vale Shalon when she created Vale rewrote her siblings. Like they're all, still there.
2: All of Vale's brothers play crabball. Okay. <laughs> but what about when she when what about when she wrote Shalon?
3: Well, no. When she wrote Shalon, she gave herself brothers. Shalon's brothers don't play crabball. <laughs>
2: Is Shalon Yasna all along?
1: Yes. Uh, Yasna has a brother. Tell me about this moon story, and why are we getting it? Well, it explains the Kolos blood. I'm asking whoever wants to explain.
2: All right, so there's three moons, right? They're all brothers and sisters. There's three moons. There's the the scrupulous older brother, the wise middle sister, and then the younger sister, Moon Misham. And she's, like, lazy and always trying to slack off of her duties. And she's really obsessed with the mortal world. So this one queen has this like really big city and Misham's like, hey, you want to come up here and look how cool your city is from up here? And the queen's like, oh, no, no, that would be blasphemous. I can't do that. So then Misham devises a a, a bit of trickery and she's like, uh, it, you know, there's a flaw at the top of one of your towers. And then the queen's like, uh-oh, we'll have to go look at it. So they, they look and look and they can't figure out where the flaw is on their towers. And then the next night, Misham's like, you know, we could just trade places so you can see where the flaw is. And then the Queen's like, Alright, we'll trade places for a day. But then, um, she's there's to so they switch places for the for the evening so that Misham can enjoy being immortal. And um the Queen's like, Oh, we'll just I'll just look at the flaw. I won't try to talk to the stars, I won't try to look at all the things that that the gods are supposed to look at. I don't don't want to do anything blast or miss. And then they switch places and Misham has a good time and learns uh, a few things about being human, including loss because the queen doesn't actually trade back with her. She stays up in the sky for the evening and Misham's like, "Uh, queen, we're supposed to trade back places. And Misham misses uh, the view from up in the heavens. And then the next night, they meet again and you know, finally after some convincing, Misham gets the queen to trade back with them and the, the queen goes back to being immortal and uh while Misham thought that she was tricking the queen, actually, uh the queen was tricking Misham because she just wanted to hook up with her brother and have a blue baby. And that's the end of the story. How is Moon Babby formed? <laughs> Yep, that is that's the moral of the like, story. Keep it PG. Craig, there's a there's a phrase we use. If it's alright with Brandon, wink. it's alright with us.
3: <laughs> wink fade out.
2: No, the other one, the newer one.
3: No meaning.
2: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't use a I didn't use a wink fade out joke for the moon babby. I should have. Okay. You know, there's something about like Winkle Winkle Little Star. How I fade out what you are. No, you got it. You nailed it. Uh so <laughs> now the, the second part of my question is why is this in the book? It explains where the blue people come from. Is this about wit? This is about how wit maybe I'll ask it down again godhood. during spoiler time because I don't know why this is in the book. Oh, and maybe well, Craigatory godhood, right? Like and turned it down. Maybe he just he didn't want to he didn't want to have relations with any shards so he decided to turn down godhood so at also this jar falls out of its bag i think it's like a a black jar with a white lid and i feel like this is something from some other planet and i should recognize it and i don't
1: i don't even
2: remember the jar is it lorassium well he only took the one lorassium no it's
3: it's not lorassium because that's a b but i i think you're right in thinking it's from some other planet but i have no idea you don't know what it is I don't know what it is.
2: Uh, Is this going to be one of those things that we're going to have to, like, later on, we'll read a book and then we'll be like, that's that jar, that withead. Probably. Is this like like in Aladdin where the Sultan is making the tower with all the toys and one of them is the Beast because they're working on Beauty and the Beast? Yes. Ah.
3: It's exactly like that.
2: It's the Pizza Express truck. (laughs) Yeah. Pizza Planet.
3: Chapter 68.
2: Aim for the sun wit says the most dave thing ever wit is smart enough not to follow his own (laughs) advice
1: wait what's the most dave thing ever
2: (laughs) that's all that's all the bullet point says i don't know wit is smart enough not to follow his own advice quite the opposite of alice who often gives good advice but isn't good at taking it the heart of the revel short uh yeah mike what do you think the most dave thing ever is that Wit could have said i i have no idea man i'm completely lost I read these
1: chapters last night, and this information is lost to me.
3: There's nothing that stuck, like stood out as, that's a Dave thing to say.
1: No. I got a lot of, like, very wit things, but nothing, nothing that was like, yeah, that's
2: Dave. Not even, he should know better by now. I have no idea why he continues to put up with me.
3: <laughs> there you go. Okay. So... Shalon and Wit head to an inn um, and have a little chat with each other. Uh, and Wit, of course, sees through Shalon's disguise as he does. And then he and then she tries to get some information on him. She's like, trying to, to think about what he is because she knows that Wit is more than he says he is. I guess I should phrase it that. Um, and she's like, "Hey, uh, could you be a herald, maybe?" Um and he's actually older than the heralds. Um, he's like, I changed
2: the heralds'
3: diapers. You kidding me? <laughs> yep. Um, and he also made a vow to be there when he is needed. Um, but he does. But
2: he didn't specify where there is.
3: Yeah. Uh, Chelan mentions that Sadius was killed, and he's like, nuts. I missed it.
2: Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah, he will have to. Hope he wasn't there when he known. was
3: needed. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, to push him out the window. To hide the body,
3: yeah, uh, and then he also mentions to be careful, or sorry, be wary, wary of anyone who claims to see the future. And then she also tries to get some information about the cult of moments and the Oathgate platform. And she finds out that the unmade called the heart of the revel is there.
2: Yeah, uh, and if she wants to get in good with
3: them, she just has to bring them food, non-soulcast food. They want non-soulcast food.
2: They want homemade bacon. And then pattern
3: pattern says that wit. Um, feels like one of them,
2: like one of the Knights Radiant, like one of them, or, as in Shalon's group, or one of the Unmade.
3: Yep, that's a question. I don't know the phrasing in the book. Um, that's my impression.
2: W- my impression was that she meant someone who was on their side, but sh- my impression, Shalon meant that Wit was someone on her own side. But now, now you got me thinking.
3: I will say, anytime Pattern says something, it, it should be taken literally. That's the hell he is he's quite literal in everything that he says
2: oh like
1: woody from cheers yeah so pattern is a kleptomaniac he takes things literally <laughs> well, <laughs> he gives things literally
2: <laughs> mm.
3: nice speaking of nice chapter 60 meme
2: free meal and no string <laughs> i guess they're not having chicken cordon blue all right so real story um when my mom used to make chicken cordon bleu for dinner, she would, like, tie up the chicken and the ham and the cheese and all. And she would, like, tie it up with a piece of, like, a piece of string, like, like cooking string uh, to hold it all together. And, you know, so I thought they called it chicken cordon bleu because it had a cord tied around it. <laughs> that's, that's true. I, I didn't know that it was blue. French. It's, it's actually French. It means uh chicken ribbon blue. But yeah, I was just like, oh, it has a cord. It's chicken cord on blue. <laughs> I guess the ham is blue. I don't know. <laughs> so if there's no strings with the free meal, it must not be chicken cord on blue. Uh, wilting of planets and general Coolidge. Do you want to explain the epigraph, Mike? Uh, well, sure. Give me
3: a minute to wilting pull of it up. Plants. All
2: right, while you're doing that, Dreamy Kaladin plays Ding Dong Ditch with the Voidbringers. Who parties harder, Scadrians or Colon Aliens? Adolin's new suit is right around, is tight around the chest. Fix that note there. All right.
3: uh, wait, no, it's right around the chest. <laughs> That's
2: right. Adolin's new suit is tight around the chest. Are you a punchy guy or a swordish fellow? Or perhaps a bodacious bloke? I'm more of a paunchy guy. Adolin Colon is simply a good person. You know, not counting that one murder he did.
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa. He did everyone a favor by killing Sadius. He's still a good person.
2: Does that make it not murder? Yes. I mean, murder is a legal
1: term, not a uh, not an ethical term. Nobody, no crime. Mm, I think it's an ethical term. And the he has killed context. so many people in battle. This one just wasn't in battle. Killing people in battle isn't murder.
3: No, no, they're having a battle of wits. It counts. Uh, but it wasn't even there.
1: Again, murder isn't is murder is a legal term, legal term, not not ethical. Legal.
0: Here we go, sounding like psychos again.
2: <laughs> so technically,
3: <laughs> it's not a Cosmere deep dive unless we. Can I might have killed
2: it. that guy, and he didn't deserve it. But technically, no, no, no.
1: Killing it was killing implies some ethics. Murder, murder is legal
2: what? or illegal, as the I'm case may be. Doesn't... I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I disagree, but I'm not going to argue.
3: I'm pulling up the Wikipedia entry on murder right now, and it specifically says it is the unlawful killing of another human without justification, and but plus other things. Is
2: law referring to a national law or a moral law?
3: It's a verdict in English law. Unlawful killing is a verdict that can be returned by an inquest in England and Wales. And he wasn't in England or Wales, so it's fine. <laughs>
2: Dreamy Kaladin goes to the lower upper class party. Free dessert for food. So in this scene, Kaladin feels for his scar. Uh he has a he has a Shallan illusion on and he he feels to see if his scar is there. But whether or not the illusion's working, he'll be able to feel the scar. So it doesn't make any sense. And he might even be distorting the illusion by sticking his fingers up in there. Um but agree. Wh- whatever we whatever happen- they actually do read the Shah scar. When they when they meet him at the tavern, so whatever. So yeah, they're like, "Hey, you are a deserter. You want some free dessert?" And that's the end <laughs> of this week's chapter. Uh, so yeah, the
1: text of the epigraph is: "The wilting of plants and the general cooling of the air is disagreeable, yes, but some of the tower's functions remain in place. The increased pressure, for example, persists." Um, and that's just sort of describing that. At the time this was recorded, the the tower was in a similar position to how it is currently. You
2: mean this podcast or the SD card? Yeah. <laughs> the Aretha So, uh, You guys so, need me for anything else? I don't know. You want to
1: talk about the punchy guy, swordish fellow, bodacious bloke, axilicious
2: guy? He really gets in their heads. <laughs> Kaladin actually made a joke. Like, a full-on joke, you guys. That, that's the power of Adolin. He makes
1: jokes. And it took he Adolin a, a minute to get it. Our poor, precious himbo.
2: No, see, Kaladin, Kaladin makes sarcastic comments, and Kaladin bees morose. But this is like an actual, like, humorous, lighthearted type joke. Which Kaladin doesn't do. Um. So, yeah. Is there any, like, bromance fanfic between Adolin and Kaladin? I'm I sorry, i to assume assuming. yes.
3: Yes, absolutely. I'm not <laughs> going to look it up, though.
2: I'm not like, all right, um... dessert for food, for deserters. This is Shalon's boyfriend, Adolin.
1: and this is Adelin's boyfriend, Kaladin. <laughs> uh, yep.
2: But Kaladin also has a crush on Shalon. So what At you're saying, is think, though? Sulfrena could... wasn't even in this week's chapters. What you're I saying is they could be
3: a thropple, although with Veil. Vale. Shallan has to be Veil vale sometimes.
2: I mean,
1: Veil's vale, he... into Kaladin. Shallan yes. just thinks he's cute, but she's really into Adolin. Sorry, Shallan thinks he's dreamy. My mistake. He does.
3: But Veil's like, yeah,
1: I like the cut of his jib. Or how about how Adolin is like actually legitimate friends with Scar and Drahi? <laughs> yeah, everyone and...
2: likes Adolin.
3: Would, would and... you say Adolin has an 18 charisma? I think he does.
2: He'd make it, a great paladin.
3: It's he could lay on now. so
2: many hands.
3: <laughs> yep. Craig, saved the thing. No mating. We can't say it with a straight face. We need more pattern in our lives. All right. Uh,
1: I think we're done with Dave. I'm done with Dave anyway. is Does any, anybody right. else need Dave for stuff?
0: Are we no. daving We're de-daving.
1: Okay. Bye, Dave. Goodbye,
2: interwebs. Dave's gone, play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Okay, I guess just starting off, what
1: is the point of the moon story?
3: No, Mike, sometimes there isn't a point to with stories sometimes he just wants to tell a story
1: let's assume that that's not the case here what's the point of the moon story
0: like part of it has to be real like there's got to be a grain of truth in there somewhere
3: there might be a grain of truth but so it's it's more than likely talking about or to shallan it's a lesson for shallan it's probably has something to do with how she's essentially completely changing her identity into Veil, vale. and it's it's it might be a word of caution related to that.
1: Is is Hoyd trying to warn Shallan away from mating with the moon? Yes. Don't have blue babies or else this will turn into that one Avatar movie that wasn't about the Avatar TV show. No mating. No mating. You know they're making like five sequels to that? Are they? Yeah. I don't know why. The Avatar.
3: Yeah. Originally, it was supposed to be like a big universe thing. Like when James Cameron came up with it, the intention was to do more with it. And then I guess he didn't. And then Disney is like, yeah, we'll help out because they made that whole land in the Animal Kingdom. And it, it actually does look, by the way, what they did in Animal Kingdom does look really good. But yeah, I guess it's it's doing well. And they're like, yeah, let's finally do more with the world. I don't know. It was always intended to be more than just a one off. It just took a while.
1: Okay. Uh sorry for derailing us. Let's get back on track. Yeah. What's what what happened that matters this week? Cuz I'm I got my I got I'm... my bullet points. Yes, please.
3: All right. Chapter 65. Um Stormfather, and this is Dalinar talking to Stormfather, and he mentions with spiritual adhesion, you can make a connection. So this is sort of talking about uh the way Dalinar's powers work. And it's all about connection. We talked about this before. He operates under connection. But specifically, what it falls under is spiritual adhesion. Uh, and that's how you actually can deal with connection. Because connection is actually a spiritual thing. Uh, someone's spirit web in, in, in the Cosmere is about all the different connections that, that they have with different things. Um, so yeah, Dalinar has spiritual adhesion. That's how his brand of adhesion works like uh, he could do physical objects but he can also do spiritual objects and it's also how he can talk other languages and that sort of thing which is what so, we
1: here so he could force a connection where one did not previously exist yeah he could go on a shard killing spree and pick the new shard holder
3: yes probably oh, yeah i don't see why not he can create connections and we've seen there's some weird orb that can do that too in secret history i mean us in Spoiler Town, we've seen we've got a glimpse of what this can do. Uh like fighting wise, like it is scary. When Ishar starts messing with connection when he's that fighting, I guess we'll call it fighting with Dalinar, like it's scary what you can do. He was like about to steal the bond with Stormfather. It was just nuts. I gotta reread that scene. It's just crazy what you can do with spiritual adhesion. Yep. I just wanted to point out that's that's the term. Um moving on. This is talking about, uh, uh, not yeah, Yasna's Yasna's poetic speech, and they're just commenting on it, and they're like, and it's interesting because they're they're reading it, and it goes on so many different layers and how it works, and they point out it's written entirely in a single rhythmic meter, which stands out to me anytime they point out rhythm and music. Now, in this case, this would be like, uh, um, iambic pentameter or something like that. It has that cadence to it, but.
1: It's like if you redrew the Mona Lisa, but you used the text from
3: Hamlet. Yes. Which, anyway... Somebody's probably done, I bet. But keep in mind, when something has a rhythmic meter like that, um, that would actually be similar to how the singers talk themselves, because they are constantly speaking in rhythms. They have a certain cadence to them, but it matches whatever the song that they're tuning to at the time is. So, it is interesting that they're noticing this. um, I feel like people in general on Roshar are a little bit more sensitive to that just because it's so prevalent on the planet, the way that rhythms work. Maybe this is just because there's three shards that exist in the system. So they're just much more in tune with that rhythm in different ways. Um, okay. Continuing on. So this is Dalinar. he's just doing some thinking about health Uh, this again is, is chapter, wait, this might be chapter 66. Um, no, this is chapter 65, because they're talking about how the people of of Asia could actually disobey an imperial order if they if they filed the proper paperwork sort of thing. And he's just thinking about the Alethi, and he says the lower classes had a long and proud tradition of rights related to their social ranking. And I highlighted this because, you know, I mean, Dalinar's is a cool dude now, at least modern Dalinar is. But he's he's a little short-sighted, because we've seen what kind of rights Dark Eyes actually have from Kaladin's perspective. And even he's a higher-ranking Dark Eyes than than others, but, yeah, they don't have a lot of rights.
1: And just want... what rights they have, they are very limited in, like, their ability to actually... God, what's the word? Not enforce. Blah. Enjoy, I don't know, use, use their rights? Yeah. Like, Kaladin's dad has the right of travel, but... There's, like, a hundred different things that are preventing him from using it.
3: Right, right. Yeah, like, nominally he has the right of travel, but in reality, can he actually excise that? Execute that right? Exercise. Uh, Exercise. Uh, Chapter 66, is is the the flashback chapter. I just wanted to highlight something about him thinking about Renarin. Or I should say, not... What? Old Dalinar sucks. Old Dalinar is like Gavilar, uh, Gavilar, they suck.
1: Well, no, not as bad as Gavilar. Gavilar has way more information, and so his ability to suck is tremendously heightened, and he embraces that. <laughs> True. Uh, but well, yeah, I feel so but you bad could, for you Evie. You can see
3: where they're brothers, though. You could sort of see a little bit of that.
1: I feel so bad for Evie. She has yeah. such a horrible life in these books, in this yeah. book. Tori? It's, it's pretty sad.
0: Yeah, I feel bad for Evie. She's such a sweet little baby and married to basically a psycho warlord. And yeah.
3: I mean, you guys bring up a good point. This is this is the theme of this book. This is Dalinar's flashback um, book. We're supposed to see the difference between old Dalinar and modern Dalinar. And old Dalinar is a brute warlord, bloodthirsty fighter. And modern Dalinar is not. But everyone has the old image of him and that's how they see him that's how they think he is and he's trying so hard to not be that way and want people to think that he's not that way anymore that he has improved and evolved it's really hard luckily he has navani to help him out now and navani is also really good um there is a bright side but yeah evie evie gets it wrong now keep in mind what we've seen in the flashbacks, like this is a, over a long period of time. Like, yes, especially when she starts starts um being in Dalinar's camp and going with him. I think it's like what three years that they were at Yaakoved fighting. Like it's a long period of time, and only Adolin is here some of the time. Um, so she doesn't get to see her. Her kids, well, especially Renarin, that much. So it's, it, it is very much a shame. But it is a long period of time that she is alive and that she's with Dalinar. It just feels fast when you read it in the book. But Idolin at this chapter is 12. So they've been together for, you know, over a decade now. Um. Anyway, Evie is complaining. Uh, the quote is, she still complained that he didn't see Renarin enough. The other son was unfit for battle and spent most of his time in Kolinar. Like, that's sort of Dalinar thinking that doesn't even think of his name just the other one the other one he's the other son and he's unfit for battle so therefore there's Adolin and the other one (laughs) and I do have to give again modern Dalinar some credit because look at what he's doing for Renarin now he went to that meeting of the scribes because Renarin is interested in being like one of them so he steps up it's just Took 30 years to get there. Well, I guess it's 25 years or however, however old they are. But yeah, it's it's a slow burn. All right. Chapter 67, the epigraph. Um, it's so this is this is sort of this is the stuff that was left behind right before the recreants. Uh, they're abandoning Arethra because probably the, the sibling is going to sleep. Keep in mind, from what we know, Malishy, who's the one who dealt with uh, Malishy is the one who dealt with during the the right before the recreants is the one who captured Bei Edo Mishram who was connected to all the singers so Melishi is bonded to the sibling there's a lot of stuff here that is connected both in lowercase c and uppercase c so whatever happened in relation to dealing with Bei Edo Mishram probably put the sibling to sleep and that's what they're noticing in a tower so they're abandoning a the tower and they're making all these notes right and the one thing that's quoted here in the epigraph in chapter 67 is that the true pr- problem is far deeper. I believe that Honor himself is changing. Keep in mind, this was right before Honor died. As far as we know, it happened sometime during or right after the recreants. And I, we talked about that before, I think, last week. Comments, thoughts? I I have nothing yep, to add. sounds here. good.
1: Seriously, I read these last night, they're gone. The information from these chapters is gone from my brain from when I read them last night.
3: Okay. And and uh, the other thing I have quoted here is, is King Elokar working on his notes and stuff. Um and Shallan notices that King Elokar sat at the room's table earnestly, writing something? No, he was drawing. And it's interesting that he's draw I think he's drawing a map, but it is curious because again, this is sort of that connection I'm gonna keep pointing out. He as we know, he's starting to bun with a cryptic. Now I do want to point out not all light weavers draw like that's not necessarily what they do. They're typically art focused because art is a way of capturing something's identity. And what Shallan does is like she takes those mental pictures, the snapshots, and is able to draw it like pretty much perfectly. Um, but
1: she also has like a heightened sense of spatial awareness, which yeah. let her like map out the shattered planes. And right. Alakar is doing a very similar thing with
3: Kolinar. Yeah, and I I think that's part of the whole cryptic thing coming out, uh, the height and spatial awareness, being able to be very artistic in some way. Um, again, because that ties to looking at something's identity. So I did, I wanted to point that out.
1: Kind of feel like Tn got a little bit shafted on this with his chosen art being um, sculpture. Yeah, he liked rocks, but but like his like his art was was carving wood, and yeah, that takes yeah. forever. Yeah. Like, Shallan can pop out a sketch in, like, a couple of minutes. Tien, in order to prep a light weaving in the same way Shalon has to, would, like, it'd take days.
3: Yeah, I mean, sure, I guess. I don't know. If if you enjoy your art...
1: It's not yeah, about enjoying it art. It's about needing an illusion in a minute and a half, and you, you can't carve a thing in a minute and a half.
3: Okay, hold on. Shalon has done illusions without drawing for us they're not usually as good but she's still done it before anyway yeah i don't um, think
0: the drawing is required i think just being able to visualize what you want but uh the yeah. drawing is what helps her to to do that
3: yeah um i did not write any more notes uh because unfortunately i did not read chapter 68 and 69 i'm a little bit behind but there is the whole discussion with like there's a lot here because we have a conversation with wit So if you guys have anything you want to talk about with Wit, now's the time. Oh, I the the Shallan sitting down with
1: Wit at the table thing, I skated right past that because they were just clevering at each other. Like, there was no substance there.
3: Well, I think think the important thing to come out is, again, he talks about how he pops up at the right place at the right time sort of thing. In this case, he mentions he made a vow to be there where he's needed, uh, when he is needed. As we know... He's tapping Fortune in some way. I use the term tapping. It's not It's not necessarily tapping. But there's something to do with Fortune he has access to, which puts him at the right place at the right time.
1: But he doesn't know what he needs to do. Right. Or, like, who he needs to talk to. Or, yeah. He's just, yep, I'm there. Yep. In the middle of nowhere with some <laughs> crab people waiting on Yasta.
3: Hey, it worked. So, yeah. Uh, that's That's all I had.
1: So... I feel like Wit should have started showing how much how tired he was of being on Roshar at this point. Because it kind of comes from left field in the next book. Like, it's great. It's great how annoyed he is that everything's a crab, and that there are storms constantly, and it sucks. But, like, he should be starting to show some of that here, I think. And he isn't mm. yet.
0: Right. Well, but there's like a one-year gap between this one and the next one, right? Yeah. I mean, a year is a lot of time to get tired of something. I'm just saying.
1: Sure, <laughs> but it, it's it doesn't it's not a year for us. It's three years for us, which is the same amount of time between each book. So it's it's none time for us. Well, that's all I had this week. Okay, I yeah, I'm I don't know. I don't have a brain today.
0: Yeah, same.
1: All right, let's call it. Bye, everybody.
0: Good night, internet. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.